honestly, I spend more time passing on deals, analyzing deals and passing on deals than I do analyzing and buying deals. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm Adam Adams, and this is Jason J. Lou Lewis. What's up, Jason? Hello. Good morning. And Jason and I are thrilled and excited because um, we're going back to my roots. So Jason's really excited about that because I, I grew up in Utah. And uh, we have someone on the show who is in Utah. And actually, don't you own something called Utah House Buyers or Salt Lake House Buyers? Correct. Yeah, Utah House Buyers. Is Utah company. House yep. Buyers. I like that. So um, here we are with the Utah House Buyer. The one and the only, the one who, who charges forward and everyone else follows. Uh, but we're going to go over how he did 45 transactions last year. We're going to talk a little bit of how he's doing uh, small and mid-sized apartment communities. Um, so we always, we have a lot of people on this show that do like self-storage. We have a lot of people on the show that do um, fix and flips or wholesales or creative real estate. And we have some people that are that have thousands and thousands and thousands of doors because they only buy them in the multi-hundreds. And so it's going to be interesting to learn how are you going to achieve your goals by doing mid and, and smaller multifamily unit building. So we're excited to have Clay Rockwood. Clay, welcome to the show. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Adam and Jason. I'm a pleasure to be with you guys. Thanks for having me on. How long have you been in real estate, Clay? Yeah, so I got uh, into real estate back in 2008 at the worst time. Um, you know, kind of similar similar story to a lot of people I, I know and have heard. I got my license, you know, wanted to jump in as a real estate agent and, and started down that path for a few years. Um, and then shortly thereafter, realized I want to start flipping homes. My brother's a general contractor. My dad's a architect. So we thought, hey, let's partner up. Let's start flipping some homes, try, try our hand at that. Um, yeah, so did that and, and still actually – run that business, you know, nine years later. Um, and then, so over time just started buying rentals, you know, bought our first property, a triplex and just kind of built from there. Um, and then over the last, you know, few years, kind of like you mentioned, started Utah house buyers as a, as a wholesaling company and, and buying, you know, small to midsize apartments. So. Clay, you mentioned that the comment that sadly you got in, in 08, uh, I want to kind of challenge you, and say, is was that actually a bad thing or a good thing that you got in right at the bottom so you could have kind of ridden the wave? Or do you feel that someone getting in, say, a year ago at the peak was a better time? So No, that's yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, I, I, I joke that it was the, the worst time to get in because, again, for those first two, three years, it was rough. I mean, sure. luckily, my wife was, was working and had an income, but I think my first full year in real estate as an agent, I had like one closing. I mean, it wow. was just horrible, like yeah. literally just the worst. So I had multiple family members, friends say, Hey, get out of this, like, get out of real estate. What are you doing? This is stupid. But you know, I, I believed in it. Um, I, it was something I was kind of passionate about. So I was like, look, I'm just going to try this for another year, see what happens. And uh, yeah, I mean, literally it's just been uphill from there every year. It's gotten better and better. Um, so it, it has given me a good perspective, especially now kind of what we're in right now with the economic crisis going on and, and uncertainty. I, I kind of go back to those days and say, Hey, look, I got through it. Then I can get through it now. You know, 
what were some creative ways that you were able to ride that wave out that first year or two when everyone else was saying, Hey man, you, you, you might need to go get that W2 eight to five job. Honestly, it was a lot of hard work. I mean, just hustle, like not giving up. And it was a great time to build solid relationships. I mean, that's, that's one core of my business. It's always, this always helped me is just building good relationships, having integrity, People trust you and they, they know you're going to do a good job, whatever it is, whether you're an agent, flipper, a syndicate partner, whatever it is. If you have a good reputation, you're going to be fine. Right. So, if so, yeah, that's kind of what I go back to is like, Hey, build on solid relationships, especially now in a down market or if the market goes down. Um, it's a great time to, to reconnect, show people what you're all about. And I think that's what kind of set me apart during that time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people saying that today is work on your business because you can't work in your business right now because you might not be able to even show property if you're an agent or you can't get loans because the banks are tightening up. So this is a time to work on it. And it sounded like you took advantage of that because if you're only able to do one deal, uh, your first year, that that's not a lot of time in it. You got to be working on it. And it sounds like Mm -hmm. that really has helped you get to be where you are. So um, so we're going to talk about the building the wealth through the smaller apartments. Everyone out there on the internet is syndication, big deals, more the merrier scale. If you don't have less than 5,000 units in an apartment, you can't, it's not efficient. And you know, it's just over the top of how you have to have numbers to scale. And that's the opposite of saying, Hey, Let's do small or medium. I'm a big fan of small to medium. I have a handful of four to six plexes, and they're some of my favorite properties. So I, I would love to hear your, your ways that you've been able to succeed and overcome what people say is, is non-efficient scalability with small yeah. units. Yeah, great question. Um, and I think a lot of it just happens organically. Like, you know, like I mentioned, my first property that I owned was a triplex uh, shortly thereafter started buying duplexes and just kind of, you know, initially my goal is like, Hey, I want to buy a duplex or a fourplex once a year. That was like my first goal. Right. So, you know, you start small and you figure it out and you start growing, you're realizing, huh, I can start scaling this. You know, I can start buying two or three or four a year or more. Um, and then, you know, as, as I kind of had a, a small portfolio, you know, of, of a bunch of doors and a bunch of properties, I started thinking the same thing, you know, think, Hey, why don't I, why don't I buy, you know, an 800 door, you know, apartment complex or something. And there's obviously challenges to get into that syndication, different things, money. Um, and I started seeing that there was kind of a divide. There's a lot of people buying and wanting to buy, you know, duplex to fourplex. You know, that's a very competitive market, especially in Utah. Like just every one of their dog wants here to buy in, that. Here in Denver, that is the case as well because everyone's party wall, they're splitting yeah. them. So they're, they're paying a premium because they can split that, do a party wall and sell them individually. They buy it for 500, put a hundred into it and then sell them each for 350. And they're walking away with a hundred K in their yeah. cash. It doesn't make sense anymore for that investor at, at five or 600 for a two bed, one bath unit. So do you, are you yeah. seeing that out there that that's Definitely. one reason that, or is it just yeah. the yeah. demand? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's both. And I think uh, just a lot of people, that, that's a very easy entry level type of property to buy, right? 
So a husband and wife or whatever, like, Hey, we, we own a home. Let's, we want to get into real estate. We want to buy rentals. Let's go buy a duplex. You know, they're not thinking, let's go buy a, a 50 unit. You know, it's not like, it's not the natural process that people go through. And on the other side of the coin, obviously I'm seeing a ton of people like Adam and like, you know, other people, these heavy hitters that they're going out targeting hundred plus units, you know, like if it's, there's tons of groups out here that I, I work with every day that they're like, if it's less than a hundred or 80 units, we won't even look at it. It's not worth our time. So I, I kind of started seeing that there was this gap of, you know, a lot of people targeting the smaller units and a lot of people targeting the larger units, but not a lot of people targeting that kind of that, you know, 10 to 80 unit type properties. So I don't know. I just felt like, Hey, this is manageable. Um, it's, there's not a lot of competition, so let's go target that. And that's kind of what we've done over the last couple of years. And we've had a lot of success, honestly. So that's great. Yeah. And then we when speak to the, the, we, are you doing this internally with your own money and from the being a broker and taking that money and flipping and rolling 1031 in, or are you at the point now that you're even kind of syndicating, um, 40 unit deals or 20 unit deals? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Initially it was just me, myself, you know, me and my wife going out, buying our properties, you know, doing the Burr method as, as much as we could. Um, but yeah, now I have a, you know, with the Utah house buyers business, I've got a, a business partner, we've got a full-time team. So that company is mostly geared towards wholesaling. You know, we've got 10 employees, we've got a, a COO that runs the whole business for us. So that's why I kind of, I kind of have a mantra. We do, we do wholesaling to wealth building. So we, we, you know, obviously wholesale most of our properties, but deals that we get that we want to keep, you know, for example, we, we recently purchased a, a 10 unit that we got from our wholesaling, from our direct marketing. Um, so we, we decided to keep that ourselves. So I have a, a business partner in that. And then, yeah, we do have a couple capital partners that again, building relationships over the years with and during flipping and they would fund a lot of our flips. And now we've brought them on as, as kind of capital partners where they, they basically fund everything. We do the rehab you know, we refi out and they're long-term partners with us. So great. And I, yeah. just so I make sure I have it right. And the listeners wholesaling to wealth building, is that kind of, the, yeah, that, that's just kind of my, my personal saying yeah. that I, that, that our company, yeah, that, that's, that's my own little thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a uh, way less than even a 30 second elevator pitch. And it essentially <laughs> says what you do, you, you wholesale to wealth building and the people ask you what's that mean. And then you can, you can uh, yeah. let them know the all the in between. So, um, exactly. yeah. So let's talk about some actual points of, of where you struggle at scalability is what a lot of people say. You need 75 units or more to be able to have an in-house property manager in-house engineer. So how do you overcome the scalability aspect of having multiple roofs yeah. to deal with? Um, well, we've got a great relationship with the property manager here locally. So that, I mean, that's number one, like they, you know, we talk with them multiple times a week. They're, they're very close partners with us. We're probably their number one client, first of all. So they give us a lot of care and, and attention, which is great. Um, but yeah, so great property manager. Um, again, I'm, I'm the one that kind of focuses on our long-term rental doors. So my partner, he runs the, the wholesaling business. You know, so I, I've kind of outsourced a lot of my other duties to other people so that I can focus primarily on what you'd call, I guess, asset management. So I'm the one who kind of primarily manages the assets, making sure, making sure things are happening. But the day to day, that that's all handled by the, the property manager. The the wealth building of the wholesaling to wealth. Building exactly. Portion. Exactly. So. That's what interests me. So 
Okay. I, yeah, I realized early on, like I have certain strengths and interests. I'm gonna I'm gonna offload the the things that I'm not good at, things that I don't want to do, but that's still bringing income to other people. Yep. Yeah. Knowing what you aren't is sometimes better than what you are, as exactly. As say. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned you have staff of ten. So, tell us a little bit about that in a way are those in-house or those virtual a lot of people are using VAs right now mm-hmm. virtual assistants to scale their their business especially in the wholesale um, yeah. sector where there no one has an office and they have people all of the US and, and the world yeah yeah great question we do have uh, we do have a few virtual assistants um, they just kind of handle the back end of the business um, but then here locally we do have you know a full team two acquisition managers a full-time disposition manager we have a coo we have a full-time executive assistant um, and then a, a team of cold callers as well so yeah so most of our most of our stuff's handled here locally um, and yeah that honestly that like you brought up the the question of how we've we been able to scale that i think two or three years ago was the aha moment that i had because up until that point, I had been a one-man show. I mean, I was doing everything. I was an agent. I was flipping homes. I was, you know, buying rentals, managing them all myself. I mean, literally, I realized I was my own worst enemy. I was my own bottleneck. Um, so that's when I realized, hey, look, why don't I outsource a lot of this stuff that I don't want to do, that I'm, like I said, not good at, or that I just don't have time to do. Um, and I think I always held on to the belief that, Oh, I can't pay someone to do that. It's just money out of my pocket. You know, I can just do it myself. Right. So, but, but I, I kicked myself because if I would have had this aha 10 years ago, I'd be so much further along in my, my, my investing journey than I am now. So that, that would be my pitch to people. And I talk to people all the time. They call me and I, you know, I mentor a bunch of people as well that they just can't wrap their mind around that that, Oh, I can't afford to pay a VA or I'm like, you can't afford to pay someone $5 an hour to do something, you know, like that will relieve your life of so much stress and anxiety. Like, or some of them, some of them are three or $4. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like with the technology we have now, the ability to to offload that, you know, worldwide is amazing. So anyway, so that's, what's, that's, what's really helped me and our team over the last three years is to, to again, be laser focused on what we're good at and, and hire others to do things you're not good at. So what I realize I'm good at is building relationships. Uh, you know, I love going out and chasing big deals. So I'm not worried about the, you know, the little single family home in the crappy part of town where, you know, I'm rushing around trying to get signatures from the seller. I mean, that's just a waste of my time, you know? So I, I like focusing on the big deals, um, bigger paydays, building relationships with, you know, big capital partners and things like that. And that's what I'm good at. So that's what I've been able to focus on over the last couple of years. Great. What are some tips, creative ways that you've bought these two to 80 units? Someone wants to go ahead and skip that duplex and go ahead and, and do a fourplex, but they still want to do it on their own. They don't want to syndicate. They don't want to do all that. They still mm-hmm. want to have control. They want that tangible asset. What's, yeah. what's two or three tips to either find it or what, what would you look for a type of fourplex for styles or better than others? Any Anything you might be able to add creatively to that person looking to, to get into the game? Yeah, good question. Um, well, first of all, to your question, how to find it. Uh, again, there's multitude of ways to find deals and all the different ways they work if you just implement them. So first, MLS. I mean, honestly, we found one of our best deals on the MLS. It was a 20-unit apartment complex up in Ogden, a city just north of us. 
and we got a killer deal on it. It was just listed on the MLS. We happened to just see it and make an offer, you know, so don't, don't overlook the MLS. Um, but then we also, and that's, do a ton that's of a residential MLS, not loop. That was just the residential stock. MLS. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. again, an, an inexperienced agent listed it, didn't really understand the value of it. I mean, they could have gotten a lot more money, but so yeah, we just capitalized on that. Um, Obviously partnerships, you know, we have a good relationship with a lot of agents, uh, people that bring us pocket listings, um, you know, off market deals. So again, building relationships is a huge one. And then obviously marketing and there's, you know, we could talk for days about different marketing methods, but we do everything, direct mail, cold calling, text blasting, RVMs. We even now do radio ads, TV ads, all that kind of stuff. So, and this is for the small plexes as well as the wholesaling or is this or yep, when you're targeting, together. are they everyone and they just sometimes happen to hit a four unit versus a single unit? We, we specifically target multifamily along with single family. So we have different, you know, marketing campaigns that we run. But yeah, we, we specifically target smaller multifamily. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, so that's a good way to find the deals. Um, and then as far as how, to, how do we implement the deal? How do we buy the deal? How do we fund it? All that kind of stuff. Honestly, we, we, we implement the Burr method on most of our stuff. And that's the type of deal we want to look at. Hey, how can we go and buy a property? A lot of times we'll just use hard money to buy it. You know, hard money loan, we'll close on it. We'll borrow all the money for the renovation. So again, no money out of our own pocket because of the relationships we've built. We've got lenders that'll lend us 100% of purchase and renovation cost. And we'll fix it up. We'll refinance out once we've leased up all the property and we'll most of the time get 100% of our money back. So Literally, we, we're in these properties, these small, you know, mid-sized multifamily for zero dollars out of pocket, fully renovated, cash flowing every month on top of the mortgage payment. So that's awesome. What what type of yeah. bank? I'm here in Denver. We have our local banks that hold it in house. Um, and what what banks are giving a hundred percent? Because I know here a lot of the banks will only do a certain percentage of cost plus renovation versus you have to hold it six or 12 months to be able to um, refi for the whole amount. Yeah. So we'll, yep. Same. I mean, same thing. So a lot of these will, the renovation will take a few months anyway, and we'll just hold it for an additional two months till we reach the six month point. So yeah, we've got a bank, a couple of banks that'll do a six month hold once you've held it, or they, they need to have it leased out for a certain amount of time before they'll feel comfortable with that. But um or, uh, you know, it depends on the deal, but certain deals will, if it's, if it's a bigger deal where we think we can't cash out 100% of our money, then we'll bring on a capital partner. Say, hey, look, let's just be 50-50 partners on this. You fund everything. And, you know, at the end of the day, you may have to stay in it, 50, 100 grand, whatever it is. But we, we work out the details so that they're comfortable with that. And it's still a great, you know, great deal for them to keep some money in it. So again, our goal is to Hey, look, as little money out of pocket and as, you know, as many deals as we can do, that's great. You know, we'll keep, we'll keep our own money in, in certain deals, obviously, as we can. But again, it's just back to scaling. How can we scale as quickly as possible, get as many properties as possible so that we can start cash flowing, building equity and, and having monthly cash flow? When it comes to scale, you're pulling that capital out. Any concern that you have of being possibly over leveraged during a, a possible COVID or a 08 or oil and gas crisis or are, where are you seeing that your, your LTV loan to value is on these uh, or what maybe ratios are you looking at yeah. to make sure that you can overcome the hiccups that a market is naturally yeah. at some point going to throw at you? Yeah, definitely. That's a great point. And great question. 
I've always operated under a very strict, I guess, personal strict guidelines of like, hey, I'm only going to buy the best deals, right? I'm not the one who wants to, it doesn't matter to me to, to say, you know, it doesn't help me to say, hey, look, I've got a thousand doors. I'm doing great. But if I'm, you know, 100% leveraged and like no equity, if, if the market turns 5%, I'm going bankrupt. Like that doesn't help anyone, right? So I'd rather control 90, 100 doors and have them all, you know, hey, if the market dips 30, 40%, we're still fine. And that's kind of how we've operated our business. So I honestly, I spend more time passing on deals, analyzing deals and passing on deals than I do analyzing and buying deals. What's your percentage of deals that you underwrite or offer, whatever kind of KPI, key point indicator yeah. that you're tracking to make sure that you're not getting too aggressive? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if I have an exact percentage, but I, I would say like of of 10 deals that come across our, our plate, I, I mean, maybe we're buying one. Maybe. I mean, literally, I mean, that's how it is. As you guys probably know, like once you get into the investing world, everyone's throwing deals at you every day. This is an amazing deal. You know, deal. I, need, I, I would put quotes around deal. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing deal. It's like, yeah. well, no. When and, they, and, when they call it a deal, most likely you're like, it's not a deal. So yeah. And, and again, I think, I think you have to go back to having integrity and having the ability to say no and, Again, because there's a lot of pressure. There's pressure from your team. There's pressure from your, from your investors. Hey, we want to, we want to place our money somewhere. We want to get a return. You've done great for us in the past, you know, but I've found that it's better to say, you know what, guys, I'm looking for the best deal for you. Like, I don't want to just give you guys a mediocre deal and put your money into this deal that I don't feel confident with. Like, let's save our, let's just wait, be patient and, and just execute on the best deals, you know? So I don't know. Maybe my strategy is definitely different than others, but. It's it's definitely served us well, and like I said, I mean, I'm not scared at all. Like, if even if the market were to correct, like I said, twenty to thirty percent, it's it's really not going to affect us negatively in any way. So, yeah, that's a a millennial term of FOMO, the fear of missing out, yeah, and I see exactly. that a lot on the upticks, the the runs on real estate market when it's up and to the right versus down and to the left. Um, no one has FOMO when uh, it's going down and to the left, but everyone <laughs> seems to have it when it's up and to the right. The coulda, woulda, yep. shoulda, fear of missing out and got to get in. Um, buy high, sell low, human mentality. So totally. I think that's a, that's a great way for us to take a quick break. Uh, it's been awesome knowledge that you've been able to provide to us. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back with our final five questions with Mr. Clay Rockwood. If you currently raise capital or plan to raise capital for your deals, then you need to consider a professional online investor portal. Here at Blue Spruce, we use Syndication Pro because of the intuitive investor experience and dynamic back office. With a custom CRM included and automations like e-signature built in, we streamline our capital raising efforts and raise more capital in less time. Visit syndicationpro.com to start your free trial and mention Adam to receive one free month. And we're back with Mr. Clay Rockwood. Clay, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? I was thinking about that. I think uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief, but basically it's a deal where I took, uh, it was a seller finance deal. I put $7,500 down. Um, so again, $7,500 down and basically held that property for a couple of years, did a 1031 exchange, bought a vacation rental property, 
1031 exchanged that a couple years later into a, a, a six unit property that now basically has equity worth uh, over $200,000. So $217,000 of equity came from a $7,000 down payment. So uh, again, just to me, being creative is, is finding ways to, with very little money out of pocket, buy properties, you know, be patient, wait as the market goes up or as you, you know, improve the property and you, you have forced appreciation. Um, and that's kind of, again, that's just a great model of how you make a, a mediocre deal into, a, a, you know, wealth, really long-term wealth. So I, I won't go into more details than that, but yeah, basically seven grand to, to over $200,000 of equity in, in, a, in a couple of years. Impressive. What's a book you recommend? Um, there's two that I was thinking of actually, um, that I recently read and I love leading an inspired life by Jim Rohn. Um, just really hit home to me. Um, I love his, his mantra of, of discipline, being disciplined every day, doing the, the small and simple habits that, that bring you success. That's been huge for me. And then also, um, how will you measure your life by Clayton Christensen? Got a great name, first of all, Clayton. So mm-hmm. like that. Um, but again, just <laughs> what just did you learn from that one, that second book? Oh, um, just great principles, not only in business, but in family, you know, how to be a good father, how to be a good husband, how to be a good human. I have five kids and a wife. Um, so that was really relevant to me. And I, I believe in, in, in being, like I mentioned, honest and integrous in all aspects of my life. And if I can find ways to improve, not just my business, but my personal life, that's what it's all about to me is, is I want to have success in all, all aspects and all areas of my life. Good stuff. In five years from now, Clay, where do you, A, see the real estate market and B, see yourself? Yeah, great question. I mean, the real estate market is an unknown, but I, I, honestly, I at least locally here in Utah, it's definitely going to be keep going up. Um, we're, we're, we're growing from a kind of a mid-sized to a larger size city. We're kind of going through this transformation here locally. Um, so yeah, I think there's just a ton of opportunity coming up in the next few years. Um, that's why we're trying to grab, you know, grab as much of it as we can now. Um, so what I see myself in five years, honestly, our, our kind of trajectory now is to help give back and help teach and train others. Uh, we've created a coaching program for um, experienced wholesalers and investors to kind of take their business to the next level, how to scale it. So I would love to, you know, honestly, my goal this year is to help 50 people find their first deal, you know, just, just I want to help people get into real estate because it's, it's changed my life and I, I view the power it, it, it has and, and how it can really transform people's lives for the better. So I love that's where I see myself. Good stuff. And besides coaching and mentoring, how do you add value to other people? Yeah, so we, our company, Utah House Buyers, we host a monthly luncheon for free. So we just invite people, we provide lunch, and we literally just teach about different topics. We have different you know, presenters come. And again, it's just a way to give back to the investing community. Just like, hey, if we can help someone that's starting out that has questions, I wish I had that when I was first starting. So we do a free lunch and learn. Like I mentioned, we do a lot of just free mentoring. Um, I, I'm an open book and I share my business openly. You know, I, I, I believe in the mindset of abundance and giving back. Um, I value mentors that have helped me. So that's, that's kind of what I do is I just I give back to people that, that are interested. Uh, Clay, my last question, and don't be like my other guests who try to give me three different places you can go, but what is the single best way for the listener to find you and get a hold of you? Um, 
honestly, just on our website, utahousebuyers.com. Utahousebuyers.com. And if you're listening to the podcast, if you're driving and uh, you weren't sure if you got that right, don't worry. Just scroll down. Scroll down. You can click that link right now and go and check out utahousebuyers.com. Clay, we really appreciate you coming on the show, talking about uh, something that we don't always talk about on the, on the podcast. Small and mid-size apartment communities, those 10 to 80, 80 unit range, um, and getting into a lot of the details of how you grew, you know, with your first triplex into, into a duplex and then another duplex and your goal of trying to do that one every single year with the best financing possible and how it's taking you to where you are today. Last year doing 45 different uh, uh, deals and uh, what I really liked about something that you shared, I think will resonate with the listener and stay with the listener for a long time. And, and that was that you, you underwrite and look at more deals that you pass on and you spend more time doing that than you spend time on, on closing on the deals. And I think that's going to be something that we take away from this podcast. We are grateful for your time. We're going to let you go. But until next time, my friends, think outside the box. Thanks for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. If you got value out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, think outside the box.